That was awesome, y'all. Thank you. Okay, before I kick into it, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there. Pastor uh, Derek, Pastor John, and myself did not choreograph any of this. But there's a constant theme that seems to happen to be running. So my expectation is, is that this is for us this morning for a particular reason and purpose because the Holy Spirit, he likes to do things on purpose a lot. So just lean in, pay attention, and listen to God's word this morning because I believe it will bless you. Um, the, the theme has been the promises of God. And, and, okay, stay with me in this analogy, for those of you who may not be a fan as I am. But in professional wrestling, <laughs> they use characters to surprise the audience that are a fan favorite or they haven't seen in a while. Or, and, and, and as soon as you hear the music... Everyone lights up. It's called a pop in professional wrestling. That's the terminology. It's, it's, you're trying to pop the audience. You're trying to pop the crowd. For me, whenever the promises of God are spoken out loud or presented or are given, for me, there's a pop. There's, there's a, hey, I, that's the gospel. I heard that. Or that's the promises that God is connected to baptism. I've heard that. Or there are certain promises that God is connected to the table. I heard that. And the good news is, even if you don't get that pop, they're still for you. Because they're for you independent of how great you feel about them. And I need that because sometimes I don't feel right. Or I'm having a bad day. Or things are going in my life where it don't feel good. But he's promised to never leave me and to never forsake me. Because of my faithfulness to Jesus? No, that would be bad news. But because of his faithfulness to me. One whom he died for. See, that's the good news. Not to revolve around the action of the Christian... Zach Cole, but to revolve around the action of Jesus Christ for the Christian. See, that changes everything. That's what freedom looks like. That's what good news looks like. To know that his promises to me were given to me while I was a sinner, while I didn't want him, while I was his enemy. And he still went and said, no, you're mine. See, the world and religions of the world teach us and tell us and provide us a ladder that we can climb up to get God. But Christianity flips the script because the story about how God climbed down a ladder to get on the cross to come get us. It is a one-way rescue. One way. If someone's dead in the water and a life preserver is thrown out or a rescue diver comes and gets them and brings them up on the boat, they're not going to go, I am so glad I decided to let myself be rescued. No, 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 you were dead in the water. Your response would be, I am so glad that someone came and saved me. I am so glad that you came and got me and saved me. That is the response. But see, the devil's strategy, his He's going to do whatever he can to get it to where we look at ourselves and not at Christ. And let's not give the devil too much credit. Because we in ourselves, our hearts are idol factories. 
And oftentimes they're not. The idol that we create looks just like us. That's our God. That's what we worship. And that old Adam part of us is who needs to die. And the good news is, is that in Christ, for those who have faith in Christ, old Adam died 2,000 years ago on a cross. And when Jesus came out of his tomb, old Adam stayed behind forever and ever and ever and ever. Now, do we still sin? Do we still mess up? Yes, we do daily. That's just a dead man walking. And that's good news. He's always going to fight against the gospel. He's always going to fight against God's one-way love for him. He's always going to fight against the sufficiency of Christ alone for him. Because if it's all Jesus, that means it's none of him, and that's his death. Which is also good news. In our response... For those of us who have faith in Christ, is what we talked about last week. See, we've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And the life that we live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved and gave himself for us. Amen. That for us part is huge. It is a thunderclap. In heaven, what God, what God the Son did for us. Just do about that for a second. God loves me. God loves you so much that he would die to have you. God would shed his blood so that he could turn you from enemy to heir. Because you deserved it? Because there was something wonderful that you could give to God? No. But because he loves you that much. Reconciling all things to himself. The series that we're still on is Crucified with Christ. The title for this message today is Cursed for You. And the text this morning is Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 through 14. In grace and peace to y'all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I kind of recap Galatians 2, 20 through 21 right there. See, the, the law has, when it comes to justification or being justified, the law has lost all jurisdiction on me. As it lost over Christ. Paul, in those verses, he's not, he's not in this particular case, he's not talking about He's not speaking about imitating the example of Christ. Paul is speaking about the sublime crucifixion by which sin, the devil, and death are crucified in Christ and not in me. But I, as a believer, am crucified with Christ through faith so that all of these things are dead to me as well. The comfort in this verse that we live because of Christ's crucifixion and his power over death. So we need to understand when we're, when we're talking about how are we justified, how are we are saved, we need to make sure that we understand that we don't mix law and gospel together. Because it's so easy to do. 
Because sometimes we can make about the Christian life, living the gospel, we can make that be now a law, and something we have to do, and that's, that's mixing. The gospel is Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, full stop. That's the good news. Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Eh. And that's good news as well. Hypothetically speaking, let's just, for argument's sake, let's just say that you lived a life as a Christian as close to an obedience with the law as possible as Christ did. You're still up the creek. Because the law doesn't justify a sinner. Christ does. That's not the law's job. The law's job is not to justify the sinner. The law's job is to condemn and kill the sinner. Because it's bad? Nope. Because it is good. It is holy. It is perfect. But the problem is that I am not. And before the law, naked in and of myself, I am justly and rightly condemned. But the good news is that the justice for my sin was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. All of it. All of it. If all of the wrath that I deserved in all my life was not poured out on Christ on the cross, then that means it wasn't sufficient, it wasn't complete, and it wasn't perfect for me. And then that effectively makes the gospel bad news. That effectively makes that I still need to be justified by the law. And that makes Jesus dying on the cross very dumb. Because why, why did he die? Why did God the Son die on a cross? To give me a second chance? To, to, to now make it to where I can now fill up my slate with the right stuff? No. No. Jesus didn't die on the cross to wipe my slate clean and give it to me so I can now make it look good. He took my slate. And he embraced it. And he gave me his slate and told me it was mine. My crown of thorns got placed on Christ's head. His crown of righteousness got placed on my head. Theologians would call it the happy exchange. And all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout Scripture, you see this pattern of God doing something different than what we would have expected him to do. He does. He blesses the one who shouldn't have been blessed, and he curses the one that shouldn't have been cursed. He's doing this crossover, this exchange. Remember this story between Joseph and his father as he was dying. And Joseph said, hey, I want you to bless my sons. And Isaac went, or not, excuse me, not Isaac, Jacob, he went and crossed his hands. Joseph's like, no, 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 you're mixing it up. And he knew what he was doing. There are certain patterns throughout Scripture that look like that. On the cross, God the Father, with Christ on one side and the sinner on the other, did that. That's the only way we can be justified. That's the only way that I can be justified. Is if my credentials, when I go before the throne room of God, 
is the very righteousness of Christ. Because if I'm going with what, what I, I've done, that's, there's no hope. There's no hope. I get to heaven because I come on the merit of another. If someone asks me, if I make it to heaven, if I go to heaven, how did I get there? And I start listing out why I did this for the Lord. I did that for the Lord. I did that for the Lord. I've been a Christian for this many years. Blah, 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 blah. Me, 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 me. I, I, I. I'm missing the point. I've misread scripture. I've missed the whole point of Christianity. The proper response when someone asks you, how do you get to heaven or how do you know that you'll be there is, I'm in heaven because Jesus died for me. And he has promised that where he is, I will be also throwing all the blue chips on what he has promised. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Period. That's for Christian train wrecks too. Those who have made a train wreck of, their, of your life. If you have faith in Christ, it's a done deal. Done. Not one believer in Jesus Christ will be condemned. Not one. For Christ's sake, it cannot happen. Because he promised. And here's something that, to help stew about and think about as well. We're all train wrecks. If you're in there, if you're, and I'm, this is on me, if I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I'm, I'm sure glad I'm not a train wreck. I'm sure, someone else needs to hear this. No, you need to hear this. I need to hear this. I have committed cosmic treason against a three-time holy God. And the righteous, the righteous ruling of that is death and eternal separation from him. Justice. What does justice look like? Look at the cross. God poured out his justice there. What does mercy look like? Look at the cross. Jesus spilled out his mercy on there. For me. For you. It is not that I loved God and gave my life for him. It's that God loved me and he gave his life for me. When I am too weak to hold on to Christ, Christ has promised to hold on to me. The gift of Christ is given for free or not at all. He loved me and gave himself for me. The gospel is not grasped by doing, but by believing. The gospel is not grasped. You don't take hold of the gospel by doing something. The gospel is grasped by believing in what it has promised. That Christ was crucified for your sins. Galatians 3, chapter 1. Excuse me, Galatians 3, chapter, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? 
Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. There's so much jam-packed in that passage, but I'm going to go right for the jugular, if that's all right. There's so much more to read in this, so much good stuff, but I'm going to get right to the point. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, have been becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree. This part I didn't get for a long, long time. So just hang with me, okay? To not call the Son of God a cursed sinner is to deny his crucifixion and death. Okay, now calm down. Okay? Jesus never sinned. Never. But what was reckoned to him? My curse was reckoned to Jesus Christ on the cross as if it was his. He became sin. Who knew no sin. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ was cursed on the cross for Zach Cole. Therefore, there is now no curse in play for Zach Cole. Because if that was possible, that means that Christ wasn't cursed on the cross for me. But this says otherwise. This is how we must magnify what the cross and what the crucifixion means. Paul's powerful argument here is that the sins of the entire world are on that one man, Jesus Christ, then they are not on the world. You are literally going to have to walk over Jesus' dead body to go into hell. He made it that bold, right in your face, the cross. You're literally going to have to walk past it. Because it is for us. It is for you. 
Christ is a deliverer. He's not simply just a good teacher of morals. That's what the world would have us believe. He's not just simply that. We often hear, or maybe growing up, maybe you can remember like me, remember those what would Jesus do bracelets? What would Jesus do? And that was to spark and try to motivate right behavior, right living, which is good. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Pursue what is good. So long as you know that by doing it, you're not being justified by it. You're free to love your neighbor. What would Jesus do? He would care for the poor. He would love the hurting. He would love his enemies. The times when we emulate Christ the most are when we die and when we forgive. But what would Jesus do in trying to live like Jesus, trying to do that, is not what Christianity is all about. It's the wrong bracelet. It's the wrong thing. Instead of what would Jesus do, it should be what has Jesus done? That changes everything. Ask that question. What has Jesus done? What has Jesus done? He's rescued me from myself. He died for me. He's, God has credited the righteousness of Christ to my account. And he credited my sin to Christ who consumed it all. And when death took Jesus down, three days later, he rose. That was for me too. Because I've been buried with Christ and God promises I'll be raised just as he was. Jesus told death no, so that one day I, too, will say no to death. And that's another promise. God never promised me a wonderful life. He promised me life. He promised a deader than dead sinner life everlasting. So when the arrow flies in this world, when my life is doing this number, Jesus has promised to never leave me and never forsake me. You want to see a free person who's dangerous? Is that when life hits me and crashes me up against the rock of ages, I'll learn how to thank and bless the wave that does so. Because Jesus has promised to never leave me. Life has given me the one-two number. Jesus is right there. Jesus, if you're not going to remove this from my life, will you at least promise to be with me? Yep, through the end. If I'm in a storm and Jesus is right next to me, fine. Does that mean I want the storm? No. But if the storm gets me on the other side, Faith becomes sight. To live, to die, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How can I say that? When I leave this world, I'll get to see the one who is pierced for me.
Do I rush death? No. But I'm a free man. Because Christ died for me. Good news. If Christ is cursed for you, for his sake you are blessed, uncursed by him. If you're a Christian and you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you've bet the farm on Christ and know that he died for you, anyone who tries to tell you beyond that point that you are cursed, run from that. I pray the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, wrong. You are not cursed. Because Christ was cursed for you. And as the team comes forward, I want to make sure that I share the gospel. Or at least the passage in scripture that I know, that I'm confident, is a very good display of what the gospel looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Let that shockwave run throughout our nation. Let that revival take hold. Do I want to live in a wonderful community that loves everybody and does everything right? Yes, of course. But more than that, I want to ask the person, tell me what Christianity is. Tell it to me. What is the Christian faith? And if I hear, do this, do that, live a good life, be good, don't be bad, and you'll go to heaven, that's not Christianity. I want to hear that. I want to ask someone, tell me what Christianity is. And they say, Christianity is about God the Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for sinners. That's Christianity. Let that spread like wildfire. Especially to those who think that when they get to the other end, that they're going to hear, or oh, remember this, remember that, remember that, remember that. That's the devil talking. Anytime the war that goes on when the gospel is being preached, there's that little voice you hear, you did this, you did that, you did that, did that, that sin, that sin, that sin, that sin. Who are you to get up there and talk about the gospel? If, people, if I put your whole life on display right now on that TV, you'd be run out of here. Your thoughts, everything, every wrong thought, everything, everything that was against perfect holiness and righteousness, I'd be run out on a pole on here. Yet there is one who knows all of that and still would die to have me. Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't grossed out by your filth. He died for it. He exchanged his perfect rope of righteousness for your filth. You are clothed in his righteousness because it is a gift given to you. Covered by the blood of the lamb. All gift. If you're not here this, if you're here this morning and this is the first time you're hearing this, that the good news is really that good, that Jesus, prompt, that Jesus took your place, that Christianity is about substitution, being a substitute for you. And if, you're, and if you're sitting here this morning thinking, I need that, I want that, I want to place my faith in that. Or if you're there thinking, I think I just did that. I think I just bet the farm all on Christ. Come and tell us. We invite you to come forward this morning. Let's pray for you. We get excited about that kind of stuff because we know how huge it is, we know how important it is. We rejoice 
when someone comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Or if you're here this morning and you just need prayer, if you need someone to pray with you, this time is for you as well. Revelation 22, 17 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without promise. You come this morning. Believe in Jesus Christ who died for your sins.